The Civic Circle is a youth-led podcast by the Bucks County Beacon tackling politics and policy from a Gen Z lens. I'm your co-host, Sarah. I'm Mallory. And I'm Alexandra. And we're all students from Bucks County, Pennsylvania, chatting about activism, advocacy, and all the political happenings affecting our generation today. We're focusing on PA politics and want to serve as a call to action for all young people to get involved in the civic process and demand change. Hi folks, welcome back to the Civic Circle. We hope everyone is staying warm and cozy during this cold winter. A major topic of news in the past few months, and sure to be an even larger issue in this general election, is immigration policy the bo- and the border crisis in the South spreading across the country. Particularly in right-wing circles, immigration has been in the news and all over social media, and we want to spend today talking about our perspective of what's happening at the border. So this episode will tackle immigration policies under the Trump and Biden administrations, especially as it appears to be a rematch between these two candidates this November. We'll also chat about sanctuary cities, which have been received an influx of undocumented immigrants in recent months. Public opinion on the border crisis and the, statute, and the status of immigration policies in Pennsylvania. So let's dive in. Um, before we actually get into like the factual information, um, what are your perceptions of the border crisis, Sarah Mallory? And also, have you seen a lot of it like in the media or have you had conversations about it with your friends, family, anything like that? Yeah, so I think I've always vaguely followed what's going on with immigration because it's such an important political issue in America. Um, But I feel like it's been really blown out of proportion on the right wing. I don't think it seems to be as big of an issue with more liberal leaning people. I've seen a lot of comments on TikTok um, of liberal leaning people who live in border towns being like, yeah, nothing's changed at all for me. But at the on the other side, like right wing people are kind of calling it an all out invasion of the border. So it's really interesting to see the juxtaposition between the two. What about you, Mallory? Oh, I've been seeing similar things. And as for like stuff like my friends and family, you know, both my parents are Haitian. Um, Haiti has been a large topic of immigration for the past couple of years, well, also for years, but especially recently with some of the new policies that have been coming out. Um, so it's always been a large topic in my house, and now it's become even a larger one, as we've seen, you know, immigration increase with people from Haiti. I think, like Sarah was saying, like, I feel like I see, like, a way more negative perception of it in media, especially on the more, like, conservative or right-wing side. And it seems like people in real life who are living in, like, sanctuary jurisdictions aren't really having um, such extreme opinions about immigration. But it's cool to hear that you guys were thinking similarly. And also going further than that, it's really interesting to kind of hear how other young progressive minded people are perceiving this situation. What's also kind of interesting is how partisan attitudes towards immigration are, um, even though border policies between the Trump and Biden administrations have changed less than people really think. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, under the Biden administration, Trump era border policies have largely been kept the same. So like, for example, Title 42, um, it was the pandemic era health policy adopted by the Trump administration, I believe, in like March of 2020. And um, it allowed them to rapidly expel migrants who cross the U.S.-Mexico border or the U.S.-Canada border. And honestly, it's mostly been kept in effect. Like the Biden administration made a few changes to who cannot be expelled under this policy, um, which makes it, you know, a bit less punitive, but it's still in existence. And Title 42 expired in early summer of 2023, but it's still common opinion that Biden officials continue to Title 42 for fairly, you know, 
selfish reasons or that they conveniently used it to minimize what they thought was a political problem of people showing up at the border. The new policy that's replaced it is a version of a Trump era policy basically that has been known as the asylum transit ban, which went to effect in 2019 and which has then been halted by a court order in 2020. So overall, the policies have been pretty similar. Obviously, though, with the level of political tensions between the parties, that would never be mentioned in the mainstream media. Another thing is that I remember when Biden took office in 2021, unaccompanied children began piling up at border stations because there weren't enough beds in the U.S. to take them all in. One difference is that the Biden administration has been focused on keeping down overcrowding in patrol cells, whereas the Trump administration didn't care if there were thousands of people in squalid conditions in border patrol cells, as long as they could keep applying deterrence to as many people as possible. The Biden administration has recognized that overcrowded border cells are unsafe and dangerous and something that they should be trying to stop. Yeah, that's definitely a really important humanitarian factor in the handling of the border. Something else that's been going on is the border wall is still being built under the Biden administration. Uh, due to appropriation funding that happened in 2019 and an inability to redirect the money, the wall is still being built and going up. And when asked whether he thought a border wall was effective, Biden, who you know for a while said the, ball, the wall would not be effective, and I quote, no, end quote. Um, the wall's been affected by the Biden administration will be different from the Trump administration's, uh, it'll be 18 feet, fo- 18 feet tall and not 30, and it'll be movable. I feel like we can all agree with Biden that the border wall is not super effective. And although there are some differences, it doesn't stop the fact that they're still getting built. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I don't really know what they thought like a difference of 12 feet would do. Um, But I guess it's an interesting perspective. Um, So moving on, finally, the Biden administration has still been investing in border patrol work. Biden and his aides responded to the increased number of migrants by calling for more Border Patrol agents. Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, bragged about the surge in border agents that Biden pushed for. She said, let's not forget, and I quote, the, presidential got, the president got 25,000 Border Patrol, additional Border Patrol law enforcement at the border, and I quote. In a budget request to Congress, the Biden administration asked for additional $4, $4 billion dollar $4 billion for border enforcement. And the money would be allocated to fund 4,000 more troops, 1,500 more border patrol agents, overtime pay for federal border personnel, and new technology to, de- to detect drug trafficking. You know, anytime I hear these large sums being pushed toward things like border patrol, I don't know, I start to think like where else is money be going, especially when I hear it coming from Corrine, who I was so excited when she got put into that position because she's also Haitian, so you know. But hearing her speak about the border being even more strengthened when I know that Haitians are coming through that exact same border it did you know hurt me a little bit especially hearing her talk so proudly about it but we can now chat about the immigrant community and how it looks in Pennsylvania so what we thought was very important to share particularly as most listeners are based in Pennsylvania is that many of you may have friends family or neighbors who are immigrants or you're even an immigrant yourself in fact one in every 14 residents of Pennsylvania is an immigrant which is seven percent of the Pennsylvania population an additional 9% of residents are native-born U.S. citizens with at least one immigrant parent. If I haven't talked about it enough, I am Haitian with two parents who are born in Haiti, um, so I am included in that population. So the top countries of origin for immigrants in Pennsylvania were India at 10%, the Dominican Republic at 9%, China, where my parents are from, at 7%, Mexico at 6%, and Vietnam at 3%. Some of my best friends in high school had immigrant parents, and we connected a lot over those shared experiences of growing up with two cultures and how to assimilate into American society while maintaining ethnic traditions. 
In addition to all of this, over half of all immigrants in Pennsylvania are naturalized U.S. citizens. 81% of immigrants reported um, speaking English well or very well, and most immigrants in Pennsylvania have pursued an education at or above the college level. That's pretty impressive. I think it's also important to mention that immigrants are vital members of Pennsylvania's labor force. They account for 9% of all workers across all industries. Immigrants in Pennsylvania have contributed billions of dollars in taxes. In 2018, immigrant-led households in the state paid $6.9 billion in federal taxes and $3.3 billion in state and local taxes. Obviously, this is foundational to supporting government programs and other public services. And additionally, immigrant entrepreneurs in Pennsylvania generate more than $1 billion in Pennsylvania revenue. Immigrant business owners accounted for 10% of all self-employed Pennsylvania residents in 2018 and generated $1.2 billion in business income. In the Philadelphia, Camden, and Wilmington area, this number was 14%. Wow, that's definitely a lot. Um, it's really great to support immigrant-run small businesses. And as you just mentioned, we have so many to choose from. To wrap up these stats, let's talk about the undocumented immigrant community, which is what has really been taking over the news lately. Nearly 85,000 U.S. citizens in Pennsylvania live with at least one family member who is undocumented, and 170,000 undocumented immigrants comprise of 19% of the immigration population and 1% of the total state population. Pennsylvania is also home to 5,000 Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA recipients. Before we move on, quickly want to talk about sanctuary cities, which have been in the news a lot lately due to Operation Lone Star. Launched in Texas by um, Governor Greg Abbott in 2021, it was a response to quote-unquote illegal immigration that aimed to, again, quote-unquote, build up border security and bus immigrants to sanctuary cities. So what exactly is a sanctuary city? So sanctuary cities or counties, sanctuary cities are cities or counties that have ordinances or policies that obstruct immigration enforcement and protect undocumented immigrants from ICE or the Immigrants and Customs Enforcement. The ultimate goal is to welcome immigrants and prevent them from being deported to their countries of origin. This can be done in several ways, like prohibiting agencies from complying with ICE detainers, um, denying ICE access to interviewing incarcerated migrants, and impending communication between municipal personnel and federal immigration officers, and more. And unlike some claims, sanctuary cities do not violate any federal laws. Current legislation only really requires public entities to share and maintain information that has been gathered on individual citizenship or immigration status. According to the Center for Immigration Studies, there are 30 states that have jurisdictions that fit this bill. In Pennsylvania, counties like Bucks, Chester, Montgomery, Allegheny, and Delaware are all considered sanctuary regions, as well as Pennsylvania, or Philadelphia, but notably not Pittsburgh. Other sanctuary cities include New York City and Chicago. As of January 2024, Texas has bused more than 3,400 migrants to Philadelphia with little food and water. Migrants interviewed afterward describe it as, um, you know, a very traumatic experience. But luckily, incredible aid groups like the New Sanctuary Movement of Philadelphia have been welcoming these people. Um, I was actually reading an article about the um, New Sanctuary Movement of Philadelphia, um, and they were talking to some of the volunteers there. And what they had to say was really amazing. Like, they were talking about, you know, focusing on you know, we're receiving more than buses. We're receiving people who really need um, this aid and need to be welcomed into this city, which I think is a really beautiful thing. Um, unfortunately, though, it still is causing a strain on cities that are not close to the southern border and are unequipped to handle a large number of migrants. For instance, in 2023, New York City Mayor Eric Adams declared that there was no more room 
This is because Republican governors have filled up buses and planes without any notice to the governments of the destination city. Moving on, documented immigrants to sanctuary cities is often considered a form of protest by Republican-controlled border state governments as a criticism of the Biden administration's immigration policies. And it's really creating tension in places like that that typically vote Democrat, which has been aligned with a looser border policy as compared to the Republican Party's immigration agenda. Shelters have been strained and placement cannot be guaranteed, so city governments have instead had to take over entire hotels or even schools. There are still migrants after sleep on the street. In late January, Texas Republican August Pfluger introduced the No Funding for Sanctuary Cities Act to amend the federal law so that any jurisdiction that blocks federal immigration enforcement would be ineligible for a range of federal law enforcement grants. The amount of right-wing criticism of Biden's border policy, both in media outlets such as Fox News or the New York Post, as well as on social media, has risen exponentially across the past year. It should come as no surprise that Republican legislators continue to try to take action against what they perceive as a mishandling of the immigrant situation. A similar bill was introduced in the Pennsylvania State Legislature, House Bill 1840. With the same intent as Fluger's legislation, if passed, it would block municipalities and counties from taking actions to prohibit enforcement of the laws of the Commonwealth or federal laws on immigrants. Essentially, it would require law enforcement officers to immediately report to the United States Immigration and Customs Enforcement Office within the Department of Homeland Security any arrested individual they have reasonable cause to believe is not legally in the United States. Thank you for listening to The Civic Circle, a podcast by the Bucks County Beacon. I've been your co-host, Alexandra, Sarah, and Mallory. The music is built on it by Silent Partner. For more progressive insight and analysis on Bucks County, Pennsylvania, go to www.buckscountybeacon.com. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate us and leave a review. Subscribe to get updates on our next episode, which will feature interviews from Black women in politics and law as a celebration of both Black History Month and Women's History Month. Follow at Bucks Co. Beacon and at Civic Circle BC on Twitter for updates. Mm-hmm.